Welcome to That Medic Podcast, your bi-weekly dose of all things digital health, global health, and leadership. My name is Success, a student at Cambridge University. And I am Simmer, a student at Harvard University. Join us as we chat with some top professionals in healthcare. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to That Medic Podcast with myself, Success Anyu. Today, we welcome back onto the show our first returnee, Dr. Alamade Dada, founder of Melanin Medics. She's joined by Dr. Teniola Adeboye, Melanin Medics Outreach Coordinator and the Surge In Program Lead. Now, Alamade set up this initiative while she was in med school um, and she realized that there were barely any students of Afro-Caribbean descent that made up her cohort. Uh, and Melanin Medics kind of started off as a blog, I believe, but is now an award-winning charity that's had an almost unprecedented impact in inspiring black medical students and facilitating the path for them to achieve their academic goals. This podcast is perfect for anybody interested in becoming an ally of the movement and making a real personal difference to correcting racial inequality within healthcare. So Alamade, Teniola, thank you so, so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of have you guys on the show. I'm just going to start off with my, my first question. Um, it's kind of a tradition on the podcast. We do ask our guests, why medicine? I can go first. So hi, I'm, I'm Tenny. My reasons probably aren't the reasons that would be the most um, textbook or what I'd say in an interview <laughs> regularly. <laughs> but I was really interested in surgery when I was uh, maybe around eight years old. I used to watch a lot of... Um, really odd reality TV series, things like 10 years younger and just looking at how like surgeons that use their hands, use their skills to make really drastic like differences in people's lives. Mm. And back then I didn't even know that you had to study medicine to become a surgeon. Um, (laughs) So I was just very naive. Um, But then I guess it just kind of paired up that like my love for science and love for helping people Mm. and just kind of fit with the career path of medicine. So everything just kind of married up. So that really random bit of inspiration married up with what (laughs) I wanted to do. So yeah, those are my... (laughs) So I'm hearing a TV show is the reason why you're a doctor today. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) It's as good a reason as any. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, And I love it. How How come you chose this long, long career path? Yeah, so so I have my similar to Teddy, I have my, you know, socially appropriate answer. Mm. Um, and then I have the the real influences. So I'm one of three girls. I'm the youngest of three girls. And I both my parents are Nigerian. Um, we live in Ooh, a very represent Nigerian. represent we like that. <laughs> yeah, we we live in a, a very Nigerian household. So mm. typically, my dad was like to my older sister, I want you to be. An accountant to my middle sister, I want you to be an architect. And to me, I want you to be a doctor. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who fulfilled the dream. So, big, big congrats there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not like that. I, I, I don't think I'm lying if I say that that was an influence. Um, I think I felt that I could do anything because I wasn't that bad in school, but I just knew the things that I didn't like Mm. um, and the things that I did. And one of them was learning about the human body, watching medical TV shows. Like I just loved it. Um, And I think similarly, I wanted to do something that was useful um, Mm. to do something that no matter where I would go in the world, it's a set of skills that um, can be utilized to help them most disadvantaged um, and also in places where the resources are available too. Um, so I think that combination of you know familial pressure, mm. um, <laughs> as well-intentioned as it was, it did give me the 
kind of courage to consider it as an option. Um, and then also just that desire to help people um, through my interest in humanity and biology and putting the two together. So that is, it's actually really interesting to say that because I kind of went like the complete opposite route. So again, very Nigerian family, very Nigerian um, kind of neighborhood. Uh, and so the well-intentioned pressure to do medicine initially actually drove me completely the opposite direction. Like <laughs> I was, it must've been some kind of like, you know, immaturity um, as well, but I wanted for the longest time, nothing to do with medicine. And it's just a whole, a whole other, you know, story uh, as to why I'm here now. But yeah, no, I trust me, I get it. <laughs> I, I really do get it. Um, so yeah, Tanyola, I kind of wanted to start off with you. We'll get to Alameda's story a bit later on. How did you become involved with Melanin Medics? Was there like a specific motivation or instance where you decided to get involved or yeah, how did that whole thing kind of come about? I mean, I've known about Melanin Medics since I was a medical student mm. and I'd even like been to a few events. So speaking about, I think it was a careers event that I'd been to. Um, so I knew about Melanin Medics. My friends knew about Melanin Medics at med school and we'd like spoken about Melanin Medics. And said that it would be really interesting thing to get involved in, but never actually, well, I'd never actually did it at the time. I think one of my friends did. Um, and then during med school and during my F1 year, I was kind of involved in bits of outreach anyway, just to, like due to where my passions like lay. Yeah. And um, F1, I did a really big like outreach project at helping like the, lo the local community and looking at widening participation with a few colleagues again. And um, so that was really fun. And then it came to the summer after we'd um, had that massive event and I saw that Melanin Medics were advertising for an outreach officer. And I was like, oh, well, like <laughs> I, I really like stuck my fingers into the pie of outreach recently. It's something I do enjoy, something I'm interested in. And now there's the opportunity to do it on a more national level mm. and interact with the people that I've already kind of been interested by and um, kind of admired the work that they were doing already. So, yeah, yeah the summer of my, so yeah, quite late into my F1, the summer of my F1, I applied and by the beginning of my F2, I was starting my role. Ooh, congrats. That's, that's awesome. Um, I, I had no idea that you'd been involved in, you know, like local outreach and stuff before kind of landing this role. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What kind of stuff did you guys do? Yeah. So um, it was when I started F1, it was quite pandemic-y. Mm. <laughs> that's a descriptor. Um and it was increasingly difficult for people that didn't have connections already to gain work experience. Yeah. So what we were doing was cre we created a virtual work experience platform uh, for people around our local area. So it was a borough in um, South, um, Southeast London. And we created the platform so that people would be able to engage, find out what medicine's about, learn some skills and um, get involved in things like presentation, learning about the acute management of unwell patients, yeah. seeing what we did day to day and speaking to different members of like things like their multidisciplinary team and different specialties as well. So it was really interactive couple of days that we packed with people um, all uh, within their final years of um, before applying to university. So yeah, it was really fun. Really good. Wow. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, I think for Medical people who are currently medical students, we don't really appreciate sometimes how difficult the pandemic years were for mm. kind of kids trying to get into medicine. So I, I do a little bit of a similar thing in terms of like I 
um, volunteer in like, the local community and in and around Manchester, trying to find kids who want to eventually apply to go to med school. And their biggest concern all the time was the lack of work experience, lack of volunteering, all that kind of stuff, right? Because care homes are closed down. That's the basic thing that everyone wants to do, right? Care homes are down, hospitals are on full lockdown. So yeah, the, I, I wish there was something like that <laughs> in and around Manchester, because that sounds like something that would have really benefited um, the kids. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's amazing you guys kind of implemented that. That's awesome. Um, and Alamade, kind of on to you. Um, you have come an unbelievably long way since you first started Melanin Medics. Congratulations on five years. Um, I, I really do hope and pray for many, many more. So when you first started, you know, for all intents and purposes, you were on your own against what seemed like this unfair system determined to prevent access to med school and prevent attainment within med school and then to prevent advancement once you eventually left med school. So how did you just kind of talk me through how you have the courage to start a campaign, a campaign like this, right? Did you have like a plan from the offset for it to become, I think it's fair to say one of the most impactful social justice charities in the UK, or did you kind of just want to make an impact and the opportunities to grow presented itself? Wow, what a question. Sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll break it down for you. <laughs> it's so amazing. It's, yeah, wow, I'm so humbled. Um, but let me let me answer the question. So to be honest, I'll be I'll be through when I started Melanin Medics. So at that stage, I was at the end of my first year of medical school mm. and I had created this blog at the start of first year, but then I just didn't have the courage to release it and share it and things. But after I'd gotten through my first year, it kind of showed me that, you know, what you deserve to be here and they're not going to kick you out. Um, <laughs> kind of thing. So yeah, I think, I think again, it was the Nigerian of me that was like, wait until you've at least passed your first year before. Yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> making waves. Yeah, I hear exactly, it. Exactly. Because people were like, why should I take advice from you? Like, who are you? <laughs> who are you yeah. when you need to tell me what to do? <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so when I started, I was just very um, pure hearted, I, yeah. I would say. I think I just wanted to help. Um, I knew how hard it was for me to get a work experience, which I never did in the end. I had not stepped foot in a, a oh, hospital wow. or a GP practice for work experience before I started medical school. Um, all I had was voluntary work because I struggled so much to get that clinical work experience. Um, I was super, super fortunate to meet a mentor who had a very similar kind of upbringing to me. Um, she was a also a Nigerian lady who is now a GP. She went to the same sixth form as me, grew up in the same town as me. Um, and she had finished medical school and it was just by coincidence um, that I came across her. But that was quite late in the application process. Um, and then also, I think one of the challenges that I had experienced as well was my school teachers, my sixth form teachers, not believing in my ability. Yeah. Um, and I know how much of a damning impact that can have um, just on how you perceive yourself and, um, you know, the aspirations that you have. Um, and I was really fortunate to have the support of my parents who would have done anything to get me into medical school, oh. but I didn't want them to <laughs> pay for all these courses. Yeah. I think there was one course that I paid for. I was like, why did we pay for this? It was uh. me and my friends. I was just like, this is like, it hasn't taught me anything kind of novel mm. that was going to help me successfully apply to medical school. Um, and so when I started Melanin Medics, it was literally just to be a platform full of resources for young people who wanted to study medicine, 
um, and who were going through that application process. So sharing tips um, and then also just sharing my experience and other people's experiences, whether that be in medical school or, or whether that be as doctors as well. So I had no strategy. Like, honestly, the only thing that I did for the first year before expanding the team was just writing a blog post every week on any topic that I could think of um, <laughs> and, you know, building our social media presence organically because at that, at that time there wasn't many organizations like ourselves. But yeah, like I said, it, literally no strategy, just vibes. <laughs> <laughs> no strategy, just... <laughs> good, good intentions. And then, you know, certain opportunities began to emerge. So mm. things like people's interest in mentoring, um, people's interest in just being connected with, other black medical students across the UK um, or being connected sure. with black doctors as well. And I just recognized that we had, you know, designed a, pra- a platform and built a platform that was able to facilitate that. Um, and I knew that I couldn't do it by myself and then expanded the team the first time. Um, and that was a huge learning experience. I think, I don't know if we'll touch on that a bit later, but yeah, that, that was a huge learning experience for me. Um, and then over the years I've worked with, so many different people and we applied for charity status I think it was about two three years ago now Mm. Um, and we were successful and I think that was an important step for us to just have the 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 um, recognition of our work um, in a way that meant that we could garner further support and further funding and also just be a a reputable organization but yeah there was no there was no clear plan it was literally as we were you know, doing what we said we would do, more opportunities emerged and then we'd just take them. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, and I, I think it really, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was doing my research and um, looking into you guys. Uh, I, I kind of figured that would be the case. And I wanted to, I wanted you to talk about it because I think it highlights a really important message that I think people listening to this should hear. And, you know, if you have some idea, you know, some goal, whatever it is, but you don't quite know the best way to go about implementing it, just start. like. Perfection is the enemy of progress, right? I think that, I think that's a that's a famous quote or something. And I think one too many times people look for what the most optimal way to begin some project is, when in yeah. reality the most optimal way is just to begin, right? From from yeah. your from your last time on the show, Alameda, you, I know you said you hadn't listened to it, but something you said um, really resonated with me, uh, and that was start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Um, yeah. And I think that your story is a really beautiful example of that statement. That's that's written on my wall now. I just want you to know that's like written yeah. on my wall. That's oh, my mantra now. <laughs> that, that is my favorite quote. I think every talk that I give mm. has that in it. That's it's your catchphrase like, now. That's your catchphrase. Yeah. You should patent it so that. <laughs> but it's not mine though. That's the thing. So I can't, yeah, it's not. I found it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So I just, Kind of adopted it. My life is really a lie. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Never meet your heroes, huh? Never meet your heroes. <laughs> but no, yeah, you know, your story is is an amazing example of, of that quote. Um, and to our listeners, I, I am not saying you know just jump in there without doing your research. You need to have some idea of what it is that you're facing and how to start. Uh, and in my opinion, one surefire way to get a better idea of this uh, is to look at somebody who's related in some way to this idea or this goal that you have. Uh, and to your absolute credit, you guys at Melanin Medics also help to facilitate that connection between prospective med students and doctors and current ones, right? With your mentorship and your outreach programs, um, which is incredible. So Tanyola, 
I mentioned earlier, you are the outreach manager. Could you maybe expand on what it is outreach means to the organization, uh, what it means to you, as well as the benefits uh, and the impact that you've seen come from from outreach? Yeah, uh, it's a big question. Very, very big question. Um, so Lamadez um, described kind of the early doors and reasons and drivers to why um, she was looking to start some of the blog posts and the resources that she was providing for people. And I think outreach has been and has always been a core part of Melanin Medics and kind of making things a bit more accessible to um, the community that we serve. And similar to me, um, I think that outreach is finding pockets of people who are less well represented in medicine um, and then just trying to kind of give them the vision and the exposure to medicine needed um, for them to progress. So this is mainly looking at people who, um, we, like there are, there are many people who would have the skills, um, the drive and the passion to do so well in the career, but just due to maybe their situations, their upbringing and the opportunities that they perceive they have, they mm. may not have been the people that are like, kind of pushing and going for it, they may not see this as a potential for them. So for me, outreach just, yeah, means finding those pockets of people and then trying to give them that exposure and show them that people like them are doing this um, this type of job that are going through a career in medicine and just show them that this is something that could be possible for them and that we're able and willing to help and support along the journey. But yeah, so I think... Looking at it in terms of how um, I've seen it benefit people, it's been quite varied, actually. Um, okay. I think thinking about it on like personal levels and people that I've met, a lot of people just kind of seem in awe that people, <laughs> again, look like, look like other people down their road are doing Facts. the job. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people are usually just quite surprised. I guess it's easy to see it from a distance, but meeting people and like, kind of being on ground and meeting people face to face and having just frank discussions with them re- it really does make a difference and people do start asking questions and we do like as part of my role I do get the opportunity um to go out and um go to a few schools and meet um quite a few young people and um, who will be making big decisions and um just yeah it's just showing them that we've got resources available to help them and telling them what um, things that packages that are available for them from our perspective, I think is always just quite inspiring for them from the responses and feedback that we get. For sure. And thinking about things at a more grand scheme and how um, outreach and widening representation can benefit kind of the system and benefit um, kind of clinical care overall. Um, I think about this from a maybe like a healthcare disparities perspective. I'd seen like a recent post on social media about how um, during the pandemic, there was a nurse who had noted that people had things like um, really matted hair weren't being looked after because a lot of the people looking after them didn't know how to manage their hair. And then she'd gone forward to kind of make um, make available hair care tools for people that had more Afro and Caribbean um, textured hair. And then thinking about it in terms of like, medical students as well who have um, been, who've come through the system and maybe recognised um, that different um, skin conditions and different conditions, yeah, conditions that are maybe a bit more skin deep have different presentations in darker skin and skin with more pigment. For sure, yeah. And we're just seeing here that how all of these bits of outreach input and kind of widening representation are having an impact generally on the healthcare system and just making healthcare a bit more 
therefore accessible. So not only are we making the profession more accessible, we're making healthcare more accessible as well, I believe, um, through engaging with outreach. So yeah, I think definitely it's just, yeah, it's just really impactful um, at a multi-level. Um, I think outreach has just been very beneficial. It's beneficial for me as well and just remains me, um, um, keeps me inspired as well seeing people that are a place that I used to be and just seeing because obviously we're all still on a journey and seeing how far is still left to go so all the way along the medical profession there is um bits that um outreach could benefit and widening representation could benefit so I guess it keeps me inspired too yeah no that's an incredibly powerful message uh and I think there's a couple of things that you said I'm going to touch on but I think one thing you said that is extremely important is that people don't recognize that outreach is not just for the immediate term, right? Showing um, the aspiring students what is possible, but also in the grand scheme of things, it is just making healthcare more diverse, more accessible to everybody. Uh, I think you you mentioned about um, different skin conditions presenting differently on different colored skin. It's, It's such an obvious thing, but it's not what you're taught in the medical textbooks. You're told, oh, this presents as like a, ty- a, a target pattern or this looks red. I've never had a red mark on my skin in my entire life. <laughs> I don't blush. I don't go red when I'm tired or anything. No, I, it, it's crazy um, that that is the, as the baseline. And it's incredible that what you guys are doing is really helping to overturn the system into what it should have been in the first place. I think I read a paper um, semi-recently about the management of Afro-Caribbean patients during COVID. And it was it showed that there was a higher rate of death within the Afro-Caribbean community due to like COVID symptoms. Because when these patients would come in and the SATS probe, like the oxygen SATS probe that you had to put on people's fingers to monitor what percentage oxygen is in their body, um, it would register higher on Afro-Caribbean people, Afro-Caribbean fingers, than what is actually shown. And so they would not be prioritized because it seemed as if, based on the equipment, that they were more okay. And so there was a higher mortality rate. And stuff like that is 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 ridiculous. It's, it's so preventable, right? And it kind of shows how deep, I, I wouldn't say, it, it shows how deep the institutionalized kind of racism goes within these kind of, within these corporations. I'd say racism is like an overt thing is more difficult to see nowadays. But when you see examples like this, it shows that although people may not be aware of it, there are still a lot of issues and a lot of problems that this long-term racist agenda has provided. And we're really only starting to see the effects of it now because there's more awareness because of what people like you are doing. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, sorry, I got, I got a bit deep there, but is, yeah, it's, it, it is really amazing what you guys are doing. And I'm, I'm extremely, extremely grateful. Um, yeah, I, I do somewhat similar thing kind of independently and with the Cambridge um, access program, mm-hmm. but in my opinion, we need so, so much more of it, but arguably more importantly than that, you guys are not only working to increase outreach and to, um, increase diversity, but to actually facilitate a space that is conducive to the growth, development and progression of these of these aspiring doctors, right? It's all well and good seeing somebody that looks like you in this position, but if they're not able to, to thrive, you know, what's the point? But you guys are working to kind of change that. And to that end, you've set up an initiative called the Enrichment Program. So Alameda, could you talk to me a little bit about what the Enrichment Program 
is, what does it entail? Why did you set it up? And yeah, who is it for? Yeah, so the Enrichment Programme is a 10-month development programme for final year medical students of Black, African or Caribbean heritage. And within the programme, so it's really just designed to support them transition into their working careers as F1 doctors and beyond. Um, They're paired with a mentor um, based on a similar interest. So that might be specialty or an interest in, you know, entrepreneurship or like med tech as well. Um, And Mm. What we really value about the program, it really focuses on career advancement. It really focuses on building community and building connection um, and really looking at how can we make them more prepared? Because evidence has shown, I don't think the data is quite yet fully released, um, but there's a survey that's disseminated to um, all medical school graduates. And there's a particular question that looks at at preparedness. Um, And with Black students, they feel that they are less prepared compared to their white counterparts. Um, So the difference is is quite significant, but I'm not going to quote the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) It would be unbelievably impressive if you could quote the numbers. (laughs) Um, And even before before we became aware of that data, um, one of the things we're really looking at is differential attainment. Um, So differential attainment, which looks like... um, ethnic minority students not performing as well in their exams um, compared to their white counterparts. This exists in both medical school and then also postgraduate exams. Um, And we were looking at how can we intervene at a critical point um, to stop issues pertaining to attainment and persisting even when people are applying for, um, you know, their specialties and what can we do to get them on a better footing to just start their careers with confidence um, knowing that they deserve to be in the spaces that they will find themselves and that there is support available. So that's why we set it up. And it's been, it's been such a, an insi- insightful experience. Um, I'm mm. going through the process now actually of just reviewing um, all of our feedback and analyzing that. And I was just so touched because, you know, sometimes, especially having been in our organization for so long that we have different mentoring programs, you question like, are people, is this still valuable? And time and time again, from the feedback that I've been reading is that it is really valuable. Um, Mentoring is life-changing. You know, I can say that as my lived experience. For sure, for sure. I'm the product of great mentors and great advice that I've been given along the way. There's so many things that attack your confidence you know, whilst in medical school training or even as a foundation year one doctor. And if you don't have the right support available, that can really limit how you perceive yourself and what you perceive, you know, your ability and what you're able to achieve. So, yeah, so so that's why we set up the program and and it's been really, really good. Um, And we always, always (laughs) need more mentors. Mm. So anybody's interested. You want to plug yourself here, yeah? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we always need more mentors. I think. just to touch on that, actually, it's, you know, majority, if not all of our mentors are, are black. Um, and w- that's not a, that's not a point of, we make sure all of our mentors are black. Um, we really just assess based on interest um, and pairing people according to that. But then at the same time, we realize the benefit that that has on um, our participants as well. But then when the pool of black medical students and doctors isn't that big, you know, it's, it's difficult to keep the cycle going. Yeah. Um, we always encourage people who've had 
positive mentoring experiences or even not so positive experiences, but they can find a way to pay it forward. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, for the, anybody, you know, listening that's interested in this, unfortunately, I believe the application deadline has passed for this year, but yes. for you penultimate year med students listening in, do keep these pro- this program in your reminders to apply because it sounds like an unbelievably beneficial experience. Um, having a mentor and somebody in the space is just something that's, yeah, is it's invaluable. Um, and uh, while I was looking through the, the, the course and everything, I came across this, this quote that you put down as going beyond just increasing access to and diversity in medicine, but actually providing a space where doctors feel fully supported and are able to thrive and achieve their dreams. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that is beautiful. Uh, there is a similar program, right? For aspiring med students, the Envision Med Mentor Program. Um, yeah. is that, is that correct? Yeah. Similar yes. thing, right? Yeah, so it's a similar similar program. So, but it's for um like a select group of students. So those who are quite disadvantaged mm. um, in terms of resources and um who they have access to. So that's for Year Twelve students. Yeah. Um, and then with that, we're fortunate to have the support of the NIHR, um, and then also some of the colleges at your university, the University. Yes. Of yes. Yes. Um, so that's great. <laughs> but I, th- I think another thing that we we child doing um this year is our first year running the surge in program so this this program takes a different approach to mentoring um particularly because it's for doctors um who have an interest in surgery so we call them kind of early career surgeons um mm-hmm. some of them are in training some of them are trying to get into training um but what we do it's uh i don't know if Teniola yeah Teniola, as the program lead <laughs> you want to jump in here yeah so um it, it's been uh interesting new program to be starting um we probably started uh, late last year or like mid late last year um even brainstorming from around the middle of the year and um so surgeon really just sounds stands for surgical insights and it's to try and change what a typical surgeon looks like and have a surge in people from less well backgrounds. Well I love it. Triple on tundra. Ooh. We like that. <laughs> but yeah, so um we're looking at helping people get onto the um kind of uh pathway of becoming a surgeon. Um Already there's a quite low proportion of surgeons from African and Caribbean heritage and um, even saying that um, African and Caribbean um, surgeons are more likely to um, be subject to like litigation, more um, less likely to make it into leadership positions, less likely to make it through to the other end. So we're trying to look at all these kind of areas of where we may lose out on surgeons and look at areas where, where surgeons may have a tougher time um, than their counterparts and how we can try and um, get on, get ahead of that, um, especially in the early days mm. when we can start making some concrete change and build the foundations. So um, as Alameda said, we're not really focusing on the typical mentorship um, roles where everyone's going to have a set mentor-mentee relationship. We're trying to have the opportunity for people to network and meet people from backgrounds um, that may be similar to theirs. And also we're trying to utilize mentors who are like maybe not necessarily um, African or Caribbean heritage themselves to try and get that those bits of insights from people that maybe have a different take on applying for surgery and going through surgical training. All of which just trying to, as I said, help overcome the barriers that we believe are in place already and that research shows are in place already. 
But yeah, so it's a dynamic programme. It's going on over a 10-month period and supported by the Royal College of Surgeons England. And we, we are still trying, although we say we're not having formal mentor-mentee relationships, people are meeting people, um, people from kind of backgrounds and interests similar to theirs all the time. And we do promote that people see what happens a bit more organically. So like, if you feel, feel like you're getting along with someone, go for it. Mm. Um, which is what we can say for the whole of your um, medical student and medical career. Like if you are vibing with someone and you think it could be a mutually beneficial relationship, you can learn a lot from them, gain new insights from them, go for it. People don't necessarily need to look like you and be from the same right. exact area for you to be able to enrich your experience. Yeah. But yeah, so surgeons trying to do some great work for the future of surgery. That's amazing. Yeah. I think the the end goal is to kind of change as well. It's a change at the, what people think of when you think of a surgeon right? yeah. or, or a doctor or a healthcare professional, right? And even for us, you know, if I, if I think of, oh, what a picture of a surgeon, I think, you know, 50 year old white man, curly white hair, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's because it's not enough of us in that space. And so mm-hmm. the work that you guys are doing with the surgeon program, um, I, I love that. But who came up with that name? Who came up with the, with the name? <laughs> because that's incredible. Um, I think most props would have to go to Alara Day. It was a big break. I was going to say. <laughs> yes, sir. I want to have this moment. That, of everything you've done, that's the biggest achievement, I think, is fair to say. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, I really, really hope it, it, it carries on for, yeah, as, as long as is necessary. Um, and yeah, I guess moving on to the, the final section of the show um i wanted to ask both of you what are some of the main challenges that you faced and that you have overcome during your time with melanin medics um what lessons have you kind of learned and how have you managed to implement these lessons into your current practice and your life kind of moving forward big question i know this is the point of the podcast (laughs) i can go first yeah yeah Yeah, so i think um one thing that I appreciate is the ability to grow with the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started the organization at a very young age with no idea how to even <laughs> manage teams. And, you know, when we first started or when I first um, brought people onto the team, they didn't even have like designated roles and responsibilities. <laughs> so I do not recommend that. Um, but I would say, I've learned so much along the way. Um, one of the things is using my favorite quote. Mm, let <laughs> me hear like, it again. <laughs> well, use what you have and do what you can. Yeah. Um, I say that because, you know, as a, an organization, we have learned what it looks like to run and do what we are passionate about without all the resources. And some people will wait for, you know, a big check before they get started on their idea. But I think for us, we've always been very impact driven. So it's what is the most impactful thing that we can do with the resources that we currently, you know, have access to. And that might not look like money. That might just look like time. Um, and I think as med students, we had lots of time. Um, and now it's, it's, a, it's a lot tougher, um, you know, working, going through training, but. I appreciate those humble beginnings because now where we do have a bit more resources, it's still, it's like a question of how do we spend this? You know? <laughs> how our lives yeah. Nice. Um, so, so I'd say that that's, that's just a, a lesson that um, the journey has taught me. Um, and then another thing that I would say is 
that it's so, so impactful to invest in other people. Um, I think particularly with our team, you know, I've seen so many different people come and go within the team. And there's some people who stuck around and I recognize that, you know, not everyone's going to be able to stick around. Um, and I appreciate them all regardless, but I've seen the the rewards of really just taking your time to get to know people, taking your time to find out what is it that they want to do more of and giving them the opportunity to do that. I think that's been really rewarding and just seeing them carve their own careers. Yeah. I would say that's been a great lesson that I probably didn't value at the start, but I do value a lot more now. Yeah, that's incredible. Investing investing your people. I will yeah. I'll take that one on board as well. Um <laughs> and Taniola, have you ever managed to have a think? What would you say? Or, yeah, um, I mean I've I've learned so much over the last um what is it, maybe like 15 months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think joining the team was one of the best like things that I could have done, not only for like myself in terms of like getting engaged and doing some outreach, but just in terms of self-development as well. Um, as Alameda said, the team and joining Melanin Medics, there's so much opportunity available um, as a member of the team. And Alameda is great at like checking in with us and being like, what are your personal goals? What are your goals within just being part of Melanin Medics. And I think part of my goals has been um, things like getting to speak more at events and um, really like putting myself out there. And the, the team's just carved um, a lot of space for me to just kind of um, make my own way and meet my own goals and expectations. So that's all been really great. Um, and that in a way has been me trying to overcome my own challenges that were in place before joining the organization. Um, and yeah, the team's just been really, really great at helping me face my own personal challenges. Um, I'd say when it comes to the challenges faced whilst on the role, it um, there's a lot of um, dealing with different people and um, trying to figure out um, how you can use um, people's resources from the perspective of their time and their knowledge. And I think when so much of your work relies on other people it can be difficult and you do need to have kind of an understanding of how other people may work so it's kind of um yeah it's kind of pushed me to understand that people's busyness and um people's um maybe lack of ability to help in that moment isn't always kind of reflective of their interest and their wanting yeah to help. their intentions um, yeah so we know that the medical like profession, everyone is quite stretched already mm. and it is very difficult to get back home and um, be able to then dedicate yourself to a whole other person and then still trying to think about your life as well. So I think even like similar to when we were doing the surgeon and um, like um, drafting that up, thinking about not having formal mentorship relationships just because we know that that's a time pressure. So just really trying to be flexible in most things and work around people what they can really deliver, what's feasible for them, and just being grateful for what people can offer as well, because we are yeah. a charitable organization at the end of the day. I think like similar to that, I'd actually recently listened to a podcast sent to me by a friend, and it was just about how things are usually better for you, your outlook's better, and your interactions with people are better if you assume that everyone around you is trying their hardest. And I find that's been very helpful, even at work too, like assuming that everyone's trying their hardest, you kind of look at things a different way and you really just have, I think, a propensity to kind of appreciate people in a different way and appreciate them more when you think and acknowledge that this may be the best that people can do right now. So how can I now respond to that 
with that in mind. But yeah, so I think those would be the main things. I've, I've, as I said, I've learned so much things like even myself managing time and again, into how I interact with different team members. And I've met loads and loads of great people um, through work with Melinda Medics. So I think there's only more learning to come. And I wish you all the best with your learning. Um, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I assume everyone is trying their hardest. That is, that's, I'm, that's going on my wall as well. No, um, thank you. Thank you guys so, so much for spending uh, your time here with me. Um, and more importantly, thank you for the effort and the love and the passion that you both have put into making Melanin Medics what it is, benefiting the, the organization and thus, you know, directly benefiting the black community in this country. And like I said earlier, you know, racism is still not a thing of the past. And while sometimes it can be difficult to see, it is definitely still there rooted into several of the countless institutions that make up our society. Uh, and you know, hospitals and medical schools are by no means exempt. Yeah, the, the NHS is one of the most diverse organizations in the world, but at the senior positions, you know, minorities are still very much underrepresented. And so the work that you guys are doing, you know, promoting the growth and the development of the new generation of healthcare leaders is ultimately invaluable and definitely deserves, you know, extremely high praise. So thank you guys so, 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 so much. To our listeners, please, please consider getting involved as a mentor or as part of the outreach or enrichment programs um, or the Envision program and just help us to correct the current state of affairs. Um, I will definitely be doing the same i can promise you guys that so yeah no alameda and tenyola thank you guys so so much for speaking to me and thank you for all you guys do thank you thank you success and that is the episode thank you guys so so much for listening please remember to subscribe rate us and leave a positive review if you enjoyed also head to the description to follow us on all social media so that you never miss an update